G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You might have been experimenting with the new artificial intelligence technologies. These are at our fingertips today. Things like ChatGPT, well, it's become very popular. And some Christian views today at the start of what we might identify as a flood of new technologies that are predicted to revolutionise the world. Now, those who call themselves transhumanists have a goal to overcome our human limitations like decay and suffering and even death. Their aspiration is for humanity to improve itself by merging with technologies like robotics and nanotechnology. Well, a new book is proving that is, uh, there's lots more to talk about like this, provoking deeper thought about the impact of technological change on our human personhood. And as you might expect, Christians have a major contribution to these changing times. Author Sandra Goody is asking, what does it mean to be human as a technological age advances? Sandra Goody's book is called Reaching for Immortality, Can Science Cheat Death? It's a Christian response to transhumanism. And let me make a special welcome to Sandra. Sandra, welcome to 2020. Thank you. It's very good to be here. Sandra... Let me in on your interest uh, in these new technologies and what our biblical faith might have to say about the coming age ahead. Is this truly a, you know, a transforming time in history? What's your interest here? Well, my interest is um, probably from a theological point of view in terms of my understanding of who we are, who created us, what's our talus or our end goal. And when I became aware of the transhumanist agenda and what they sort of um, wanted for the future, I got a bit concerned. (laughs) Um, Especially, I started off with the issue of immortality. So their their aim is to, their ultimate prize of the transhumanists, they have a, a very big agenda. And it's not a monolithic movement either. There's a lot of different people operating in many different areas under the banner of transhumanism. But the likes of Ray Kurzweil and Hans Moravec see the ultimate prize of transhumanism is this um, immortality, this grasp for immortality. But it's through technology, so it's without God. It's um, it's it's a trying to it's a desire to achieve what we all long for, <laughs> which is immortality and significance in our lives. But it's through a different method and a different way than what. Christian orthodoxy has always, um, you know, proclaimed. So um, that disturbed me because I thought, what are you trying to do? Jesus Christ has already done this. Jesus has already saved us. He's already overcome death. He's already dealt with the sin problem in our lives. And we have this eschatological future that is uh, very hopeful 
and qualitatively different to the, the immortality that the transhumanists are trying to achieve. So that's what really got me started. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I found it absolutely fascinating. And, um, you know, there's many developments that are very exciting and they're very good for humankind. You know, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not against technology. But I started to get concerned about the ethics or the worldview that was sort of um, shaping this agenda and reading some of the, you know, key transhumanists, what they what their worldview is and what their end goal is, is sometimes a bit disturbing as a Christian. Let's talk immortality for a moment, because uh, take God out of the equation and uh, most people would have thought, well, uh, here today, gone tomorrow, that's it. Uh, I'm dead, there is no more. So when we have those people who've taken God out of the equation, all of a sudden thinking about immortality, they're thinking about how they can enlarge their influence on life beyond their years, beyond the grave. Uh, And so, uh, and this is just one dimension, I'm sure, but if we're thinking about how you live on forever, uh, is it that your thoughts and your personality gets transferred into a machine? Is that the way you think about that? Yes, well, there's um, many different ways that people are seeking to achieve immortality. Um, actually, I'll probably just start off with, like, there's this area of cryonics, so it's freezing humans, either freezing their whole body, or now they reckon we just need to freeze your head. <laughs> okay. And they they store them in this laboratory. So there's two that I know of in America, one's Alcor and the other's the Cryonics Institute, Um Alarmingly, there's one in Australia called the Cryonics Institute. It's in Holbrook, I think, in New South Wales. I think it only started in 2020 or something. So these are real things. This is not science fiction. So people actually pay a lot of money to have their body or their head frozen until such time that they develop this technology, which they're you know working on, to um, bring them back to life and um, reanimate them again. So that's, that's just one area. But when we talk about this reach for immortality, it normally comes into two, two ways of doing it. So there's a distinction, there's RLE, which is radical life extension, which is just basically using technology to extend our lives, you know, as much as possible to um, maybe, you know, reverse the aging process or to um, just to keep us living longer. That's RLE. Or the other um, way of doing this is called CI, which is cybernetic immortality. And that's what you were just talking about, that this is this, like, it sounds like a science fiction thing, but people actually believe that it's possible to do and they are working on it. They haven't quite done it yet. But it's this idea of uploading one's consciousness so that they believe that the mind is just like um, information patterns, which they can digitize and upload and then download again either into a machine. So, you know, you're uploading into a machine yourself, but that's predicated on the fact that we are only our mind, which, you know, as a Christian I don't believe, (laughs) Um, or into a prosthetic body. So uh, people who have seen um, the Netflix series um, uh, Altered Carbon, that that sort of um, depicts this kind of world where... um, I think their mind, like their digitized mind, is um, like discs and they're uploaded to sleeves. So new bodies, so death becomes meaningless. And, you know, once you die, you you just like download, like you've got this disc and you put it into a new body. Um, Anyway, 
that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's wild, and I know that there'll be lots of listeners. Uh, your imagination is running wild about what you might do with your own self uh, or what those who are around you might do. And if you could upload your mind into a machine and then you could put that machine into the body of a robot, then you might even have advanced uh, robotics uh, and the appearance uh, that might even look like you uh, that could actually live on beyond you. But let's let's talk theology and being a Christian and how we understand this, because isn't it exciting to be able to talk about those prospects and you could even see yourself with your own mind in a robotic body, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that you, you are actually alive. No. That doesn't mean it's actually you. What does this say to us? Yes, well, this, this is like this is my concern that that is um, a misnomer. That's naivety to think that we are only our mind or only information patterns or algorithms, whatever. Because as a Christian, we believe that human beings, the nature of human, is to be a psychosomatic unity, which means we are both body and soul, and we have the breath of the spirit in us, which is consciousness. And this is a um, this is a theme that a lot of theologians and ethicists and, and even, um, you know, all the technocrats are talking about, you know, what is consciousness? Can a machine ever have consciousness? Whatever. Um, my answer to that is absolutely not because it is a, it's a spirit aspect of who we are. It comes from God, can't be replicated by a machine. Um, so where was I going with all that? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we're talking about the possibilities of what might happen, but theologically that is only ever going to be information uploaded into a machine yes. uh, and then if you put, it into, a, put it into a robot and there's a replica of you. Yes. Uh, my thought might wander to, you know, if that happened and you were dead, Yes. Uh, a year or two passes by, uh, people will say, oh, that's Sandra. She's so out of date, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or that Neil, uh, you know, used to sound like he said a few wise things, but oh, boy, things have advanced from that. Yeah. So yesterday, I mean, there's something here that doesn't necessarily live on forever, but it might actually be part of some personality that might be preserved. Yes. And I think some people want to preserve the memory of their loved ones. So that's an attractive idea to them. Like it's almost like having a clone there. Um, in actual fact, what something that is present today in the world, there's um, a, a guy, a girl, Martine Rothblatt. <laughs> um, he has a, a machine head of his wife that ha like has all this technology happening already. So there's this head that is his wife that has got a lot of her thoughts and memories and everything uploaded to it. So this is like the beginning stages of what um, many of the transhumanists are trying to achieve. So how far they get is, you know, yet to be discovered. However, I think the main point that I'd like to say is that it doesn't matter how far they get, you know, some replica or some clone of you without your spirit being is not you. It's not you. It's, it's a bit of a misnomer. Well, let's talk about advanced AI, and that is the presence of God, uh, because God is all-knowing and all-powerful. 
uh, he is the advanced AI that we have had access to. And for believers who link with him, we have already got this access to advanced. Uh, uh, he's not artificial. He's the real he's intelligence. The real one. Yeah. So our idea as Christian believers of immortality is that that immortality begins with our relationship with Christ. Absolutely. So we have already begun, and this is where, um, dare I say it, Christians have the advantage. We have already begun in our journey with God, with our union and communion with God. Um, You know, when we're born again and we come into relationship with God on a personal basis and our sins are forgiven and we are reconnected to God and then God is already cleansing us from sin in, you know, the sanctification process. So we are already on a trajectory of a very hopeful future, um, and we still, you know, we have we live in a now, not yet uh, world here. So we still have challenges and problems. We're still human. We're still biological creatures. So we're still subject to death and suffering. Um, but we know that our Lord has already made the pathway through death, and He has promised that we too, so believers, we too have this hope of immortality, and this is very important because, and this is what gets me so passionate about this subject, is because we have already been promised a resurrected body, like a resurrected psychosomatic union of our body and our mind and our soul in a future um, time. So we are, we, when we talk about what it means to be human, the transhumanists would say, oh, we don't need the body. You know, it decays, it's dying. Some even go so far as to say that death is a disease that we have to overcome, and this is imperative. You know, whereas, like, if you're looking at it through a Christian perspective, death is the gateway to the life to come. And then the resurrection of the dead, which is the unity, again, of our body and who we are in a person, is our great hope. And so, I mean, this is where I just sort of stare in wonder and go, what are you guys doing? Because it, we've already got this promise of a resurrection hope um, in the world to come. And it's not going to happen through technology. It comes through grace and it comes through our communion with God. So, yes, um, God is the omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient one. Um, artificial intelligence is artificial. It is, um, you know, the application of human intelligence, even fallen human intelligence, to put on machines and then... I mean, it is possible for AI, of course, to be more intelligent than human beings because they have more knowledge. They're feeding all this data into their machines and giving them algorithms to spit out. So, yes, it's impossible. It is possible, I mean, to be more for the AI machine to be more intelligent than human beings. But uh, that's not all there is to humanity. So we in humanity, there is a, um, con- like a mixture of intelligence and consciousness, whereas in AI and in machines, you might have intelligence in, in terms of you know um, decision-making capacity or knowledge and all that sort of thing, but you don't have consciousness. There's no one in the machine. There's no one home there, and you can't have spirit. So, I mean, a lot of people, they kind of get off on this idea, you know, can human, uh, can machines have consciousness? Can they be sentient? Unfortunately, that, uh, that Google engineer, what was his name, Blake? Um, Lemoore, who's who thought that Lambda, the Google AI machine, was sentient, and he, you know, had to step down. And this is this is one of the dangers of AI. We think that we're talking to a human being when we're talking to an AI chat box, or whatever, but we're not. <laughs> 
So in some sense here, this is uh, one of those ultimate deceptions that is about to be unleashed on humanity. And so for the Christian believer who understands this hope, and our hope is not without evidence because Jesus rose from the dead. And as we walk with him, we walk in his resurrection life. So there is, as you say, Sandra, immortality that starts uh, from that beginning of our relationship with Christ. And we can walk in that, which is a super intelligence uh, today. So we've been doing this for a long time. If you've got the humanist who's walking without God, uh, looking for a way that they can establish some form of artificial immortality, that's what we're talking about. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, we're talking about one of the most fascinating and most up-to-date topics you could possibly be talking about, and that is artificial intelligence and what the non-Christian, the exclusive humanist, sees as a future in a technological age. How we think about that as Christian believers. And I think, you know, you'll come to a conclusion as you listen to our special guest today that we don't, uh, we're not ignorant in this. Uh, We know what they're trying to achieve and we've actually already achieved some of these things because we have faith in God. So 1-800-316-316. In fact, Sandra, why don't we take some calls uh, straight away? Mike is in Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Welcome along. Oh, yeah, thanks. Good morning. Look, um, AI doesn't have access to godly wisdom. That's absolutely, absolutely. right. Um, this is uh, this is an interesting thing. And Mike, um, when you say godly wisdom, we're talking about inspiration from the Holy Spirit. We're talking about revelation from God. Uh, what are your thoughts here for Mike, Sandra? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, AI does not have godly wisdom. It All it has is knowledge. All it has is the ability to uh, make decisions based on data given to it and algorithms. Um, our intelligence that comes from God is completely other than that. It involves it involves all of that because, of course, God knows everything. So he has all those intelligence. But on top of that, he has, um, as you said, the wisdom, which is um, the ability to know how to apply knowledge. And so that comes from an ethical nature. So he has ethics and a morality. Um, so so much more than just pure knowledge. And Mike, I suspect uh, when you were talking, I think you said knowledge and wisdom. Uh, There's a difference between those. What did you say, Mike? I just said godly wisdom. That's all I mean. Okay, godly wisdom. Okay. And Sandra, you you were saying knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. That's right. And uh, we would say our wisdom is shaped by God. Absolutely. Wisdom comes from God and it's one of the central virtues of God. Whereas like knowledge is just knowing something like you can have very intelligent, wicked (laughs) people and or angelic beings. Um, So knowledge in and of itself is not um, particularly or necessarily godly or from God. Uh, Mike, did you have something more to add? Oh, well, I mean, you know, the, the devil has knowledge, but he has no revelation. Absolutely right. And uh, without that revelation, um, the uh, it, it, things get outdated very quickly, don't they? 
And Mike, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Another Tasmanian, Penny, is in Jeeveston. Hello, Penny. Welcome along. Hello. Um, hello, Sandra. Hello, Penny. What are your thoughts, I'm Penny? I'm not sure if you're the Sandra I know. But I'm not sure either. Um, I think there's a not hey? sure there, Penny. <laughs> What yeah, I used to be in Brisbane. We used to go to the same church. Okay, well, okay. there might be a reunion time. And Penny, did you have a thought or two about our conversation? Yes, I, I just slightly, just a lot. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm learning and just learning to use my phone is, is, is a good start. Um. How do I get hold of your book? Well, I'll let you say, Sandra, it's, I guess, available from uh, online booksellers? Yes, it's available from Kurong online or um, Amazon and also from the publisher Whip and Stock. So um, just Google it. You'll be able to find it. But Kurong's probably the best um, in terms of cost. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yep, find it at one of those online booksellers. Penny, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about not just artificial intelligence, but what goes beyond. I mentioned robotics and nanotechnology. Uh, these sorts of things, this idea of having a chip that you can implant in your brain, uh, things have been developing technologically over some time. Do you think that's ever going to be a possibility, Sandra? Well, it's already a possibility. Um, so in terms, I'll just back up a bit, in terms of reaching immortality, there's three main ways that um, they are trying to do this. The first is biological um, immortality. So that's addressing it from a biological point of view, um, and then there's bionic immortality, which is what you're talking about now, Neil, which is um, like uh, emerging, like hybrids, humans and machines, um, you know, anything from prosthetic legs to synthetic blood vessels or skin, stuff like that. In that, under that heading also comes these um, human brain, brain machine interfaces, sorry, brain machine interfaces. Uh, one of which is Elon Musk's Neuralink. So as you were saying, like you connect your brain to a computer and then it can um, enhance your capabilities. Now, um, Musk's Neuralink is already being used for Parkinson's patients and everything so they can, you know, to increase their facility and stuff like that. But he has um, much grander plans for that. So, that, you know, it just keeps escalating in terms of its sophistication, what it can do. Um, Nouvelle... Uh, Noah Harari talks about the human brain interfaces when all humans are connected to the internet of things or at least from one mind to another and then there's sort of there's no boundary then of it, of who you are and he says this you know I have quotes from him saying that like no one knows what's going to happen when we connect our brains to one another one another through technology um, so I find those sort of things extremely concerning. <laughs> uh, is there some sort of similarity to uh, Tower of Babel uh, where nothing would be impossible if everybody spoke the same language and all planned together and so they began to build a tower to reach the heavens uh, and God came and confused their languages? Uh, there was, you know, is there something in that the, the 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 exclusive humanist who uh, wants to move along this transhumanism track, 
uh, has an idea of becoming godlike by connecting everyone. Absolutely. I think that's a really good analogy. Um, the Tower of Babel, it's like the new Tower of Babel, is basically this reach to build some AGI or um, uh, General Artificial Intelligence, GAI, um, or this, sim- this singleton. And, that, and that's sort of the scary thing, that when all the narrow AIs are joined together and we have this like supercomputer that can connect everything together, that to me, would be the Tower of Babel. That would be, um, you know, humanity trying to um, create this superhuman computer that could make decision-making for all the world, you know, how to overcome climate change and eradicate poverty and all that sort of thing. And it'll be very attractive in its sort of, you know, advertisement. But um, And I think even Elon Musk uh, is apprehensive about absolutely. what that would lead to, uh, the destruction of humanity. Uh, not long out from news, let's squeeze in one more quick call before news. Katerina is in Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, Katerina. Hello. Um, yeah, I just got a couple of thoughts on this. Um, I saw a very good meme recently saying, you know, we're all immortal, so whether we believe or not in Jesus, we're all immortal. The only difference is the location that we're going to spend eternity. So, you know, I think that to me it seems like there's a lot of people who are afraid to die because I guess they suspect where they might be going even though they deny heaven, hell, you know, God, Jesus, Satan, you know, they, they all like to think, oh, there's nothing after this world, you just die and, and that's it. But, you know, the other thing they forget, like you said, that we have a soul, so that's, that's what's going to be immortal and that's what's going to be in one place or the other. But also, just in regards to thinking that we're just a brain, you know, like God says um, to not listen to your feelings of your heart. So obviously your heart has, you know, some input into what your brain thinks. And we've also know that, you know, that your gut is like another brain as well. Um, you know, so there's, there's more to just a human being than just a brain because all these, all your body works together. <laughs> you know? Katerina, great thoughts there. And we're about to go to news. So we might have to hold a thought or two. Coming back to the caller just before the news, uh, her name was Katerina from Adelaide, and I think the essence of what she was saying, and uh, she had a couple of points to make, but Sandra, she was talking really about uh, the issue of uh, we are more than just a brain. What are your thoughts here as Katerina was sharing her heart? Yeah, I absolutely agree. We are more than a brain. So what it does mean to be human is that we um, are both a biological body. We have a biological body. We have um, a soul, which is um, mind, will and emotions. And we have a spirit breathed on us by God. So we are this psychosomatic unity. We are um, a mysterium. We are a mysterious soul. We are made in the image of God. And I think that's what sets us apart from the animals and um and on all the other creation so and also um so people ask this is the million dollar question is what is a human yes <laughs> what is a human um and so from a theological point of view you would answer that question by saying well a human being is someone made in the image of god um and that we have both a biological um part to us and um a heavenly part as it were 
um, and that we are one the same. So our, we are so much more than just our brain or information patterns in our brain. Even mind and brain need a distinction because mind is um, not tangible, but it's a part and it's connected to the brain, but it's not the same as the brain. So some physicalists or materialists would just say that we are our brain. You know, we're just a bunch of chemicals and electrical responses, whatever. But um, from a Christian point of view, we are much more than that. Like our brain and our, mi- our mind is given to us by God. Our brain and our mind interact together. Our mind needs our biological body to actually interact with the world and to, you know, absorb information and process it and everything. So I argue very strongly in my book that we need our body, our physical bodies, to be human. So the transhumanist um, agenda to disengage our brain from our body and upload it, you know, into a machine or a prosthetic body, um, to me, would completely destroy what it means to be human. We would no longer be human. Now, they they admit this. They say, yeah, we're going to be post-human. Yay, yay. <laughs> and I'm going, well, that's not a really good thing. <laughs> so being made in the image of God. Do you want me to continue? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, you're doing well. I was going to say, you know, these days uh, people are grappling with the question, what is a woman? And uh, you may be preempting what is coming because when we get to the point where we say, what is a human? Just as the Christian biblical response has a very solid answer to what a woman is, the biblical response has a very solid answer to what a human is. And as you're describing those things, that really sets a powerful precedent for what's coming forward because these sorts of debates are going to eventuate and uh, we ought not to be afraid of those. Uh, Because just listening to you uh, just beautifully uh, describing these things, uh, it's real wisdom. Hey, we're going to take another call. Let's hear from Chris, who is in Melbourne. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Oh, good day, Neil and guest. Um, yeah, just first I want to just say that the two most dangerous people on the planet are Yuval Noah Harari and uh, Elon Musk, who's now just got uh, uh, con- you know confirmation to test his uh, Neuralink brain chip. Um, uh, Yuval Noah says that it's t- totally for surveillance and it will create artificial um, religions. But the main thing I want to say is that the... Um, the, the uh, abomination of desolation, the mark of the beast, will be related to AI because, uh, like you said, you're no longer human. Uh, God has put his, D, uh, his name in our DNA, but this will remove it. The, the, the number 666 is the number of his name, is the number of man and the number of his name. So once his name is implanted into you, you are no longer controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's why it says once you take that mark, you can never... Uh, can uh, you know come back to God? You're totally damned. So that, well, that I believe. Chris, is turning this into an eschatological conversation too, and uh, what those issues are out of the Book of Revelation and uh, the end times, a mark of the beast. Uh, get your thoughts here, Sandra. Okay, so there is a lot of um, concern and talk about what is the mark of the beast and. Um, I was just reading an article the other day, actually, by a Jewish theologian, and he was talking about, he was making the analogy between, um, you know, in the Bible it talks that, like, those that belong to God are marked by him on the forehead and on the hand, and the Jewish, you know, um, people have those, um, you know, what do they call it? Uh, Whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Whatever, but... um, 
So he was saying that the mark of the beast is like an imitation of that and it's a way that the Antichrist will mark those humans who he sort of owns. So it it needs to be more than, like, I don't think you can take the mark of the beast without volition. You know, it's something where you are, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's probably somehow related to AI or genetic transformation of who we are, that we are no longer human because it does say once we take the mark that we are irredeemable. So um, there's a lot of talk about that, okay, that that means that we are no longer human and when we're no longer human, we are no longer redeemable. So um, there is that argument. Um, What it is exactly, we're not quite sure yet, but it could be some sort of... um, insertion into our humanity to change who we are but that would require um like our volition um because you know some people like some people have said you know the vaccines the mark of the beast and everything well that's not right because um you know a lot of people get the vaccine and for different reasons whatever and then they're still following god so that can't be it um it's got to be something more germane to our will and our allegiance and worship so, um, yeah, there is a lot of talk about Mark the Beast. It is a thing. I mean, it's a real thing. And it does say that's in Revelation 13, Revelation 14. It talks about once you have that mark, you cannot be redeemed. So it's got to be something very um, germane to our worship. Chris, great insight to bring. And uh, while I say this is not an eschatological conversation, uh, that's actually a really powerful thing because what we're talking about here is our free will. Because if we allow something that takes over our brain uh, to disrupt our having a free will, then we may have stepped over a mark that takes us outside of being someone who is submitted to God. Uh, And that might be the sort of mark that you'd step over. That would not mean that lots of AI is not going to be useful for humanity, but when we take the end game here, uh, there may be a point where some people can displace God completely uh, by giving their mind over to artificial intelligence. Is is that a relevant sort of a conversational point? Absolutely, yes. Okay, well, let's let's talk about um, Christians and being a champion of free will because lots of things are wanting to interrupt right now our ability to have freedom. And artificial intelligence used in the wrong hands uh, leads to uh, some level of elitism, which will dictate what is right and wrong. Uh, As a Christian believer, uh, we don't want to lose our freedoms and therefore our free will. Any thoughts here on free will from you, Sandra? Yeah, lots. Um, I think a free will is a gift that God has given us. It also means that we are accountable morally to a, a God. Um, and so it's very important that we understand that it, that God has given us that and he requires an account of our lives at the end. And this is one of the critiques I have of transhumanism, um, their naivety in two very main, um, two main ways. One, they... Um, underestimate the impact of a sinful nature or, you know, people's propensity to do evil things. Um, And secondly is their lack of accountability. So they have no moral accountability. It's like, hey, we can do this, so let's do it. It's like, well, hang on, what's the ethics? Is it the right thing to do? Should we be doing it? Those sort of questions, that's where the philosophers and the ethicists and the theologians need to come in on this, you know, um, this question because the scientists are just saying, oh, wow, cool, look what we can do. Um, but we need to ask, are we doing this? In terms of free will, I'm going to um, 
read you a quote because, um, as the um, previous caller said, you know, Harari has said um, that free will is over <laughs> and that we, you know, it's an illusion and, and just a lot of materialists say that anyway, that, you know, that free will is an illusion. But it is a biblical concept. Um, let me find it. Uh, just a quote from him because I don't want to mess it up. I want to quote him. Here he says, okay, so this is um, Harari talking about human beings now being hackable animals in his speech from Davos in 2020. And this is a quote. He says, biological knowledge multiplied by computing power multiplied by data equals the ability to hack humans. If you know enough biology and you have enough computing power and data, you can hack anybody and my brain and my life and you can understand me better than I can understand myself. Then he goes on to say, now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough and um, nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. He says, by hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself, but because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Then he goes on to say, later, there's another quote about um, free will is over, he also thinks that, um, you know, Christian hope is a myth <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and many other things like that. So if you've got people like that, and he is the advisor to Klaus Schwab, who's, the, you know, the founder of the World Economic Forum, um, you've got to ask the question, you know, where is the trajectory of humanity going if that worldview is dominant in those that hold power in the world at the moment. And it sounds like a outrageous conspiracy theory. Sounds like But <laughs> uh, these scientists have this aspiration and technology is catching up with their ability to do that. And if we are hackable humans, someone wants to hack us and therefore own us and control us. Uh, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts about where this AI technology is geared at the moment, uh, because it probably isn't uh, people with good moral intent uh, who are uh, behind it all. What, what do you think the moral intent or the intention is for, for those who are involved in this right at the moment? Yeah, look, that's a really interesting question. Look, I do not think everyone involved with AI and technology, you know, um, has evil intent, not for a moment. And, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but... With AI and technology, there's a lot of advantages. You know, there's incredible advantages and good things coming out of it and wonderful things, you know, medical advances and, you know, outer space exploration and, you know, um, overcoming a lot of uh, things and just, you know, efficiency and productivity and all sorts of things. There's lots of good things about AI. But the problem is, like, um, who's controlling it and what their worldview is and what are the ethics that are going to guide it. Even, you know, even Elon Musk and a few of his, um, all those people in, you know, right on the cusp of AI. Well, Elon this year put a pause on AI development because he was concerned about where it was, you know, what direction it was going. Also, Jeffrey Hinton from Google, one of the godfathers of AI, like resigned from Google and now he's talking about the, um, you know, the dangers of AI and, you know, if it gets into the wrong hands. And he says, we, it's out of our hands. Like we can't control it. We can't regulate it. And so it, it, it is a problem at the moment. Like, and as I said, not everybody involved with this has bad motives at all, but it only takes a couple. <laughs> it only takes a couple <laughs> it of bad only motives. takes a couple yep. to, you know, bring in world domination and oppressive regimes. And I think that's what we need to 
try and guard against. Just for a moment here, let's come back to the Christian, uh, the biblical response, uh, the presence of God in all of this. I mean, there are ethicists that there might be programmers who are calling upon. They may be people who have been shaped by a Christian ethic. They may not be. They might be shaped by a secular ethic. And you'll know that the outcomes are going to look very, very different at the end of the of the end of the day. So, if we put back into this our Christian, uh, even a biblical um, dominion mandate, yes. that we are actually to be the ones who have dominion over the earth, and that doesn't mean necessarily uh, the elitist. Uh, programmer of the hackable human, uh, this would have a different intent from the Christian point of view. How do we see this, Sandra, as the Christian believer, not fearful of it, but recognizing it's got great use if we have the right people making the right decisions about whose values it holds? Yes, I totally agree. And and that's what I've been doing, trying to research um, Christians and ethicists and theologians who are grappling with this technology and, um, you know, what they're suggesting, what, how to put us, you know, uh, regulate it, basically regulate it so it serves humanity and it doesn't destroy humanity. And I think that's what we have to focus upon as Christians. And I just um, recently listened to a, a fabulous guy, um, Tristan Harris from the Centre of, uh, Centre, what's it called? Centre of... I can't remember. I'm not sure either. <laughs> but um, he is, uh, I don't think he's particularly Christian or whatever, but he is a very strong ethicist and he is absolutely brilliant and he is, you know, speaking out against this or speaking up for, you know, um, regulation and ethics into AI. And um, so, yeah, we don't want to stop techno- technology. You know, we don't want to um, cancel AI, but we do need regulation. We need people. We need Christians standing up and, um, you know, contributing to the conversation, discussion around the ethics and the regulations that we should have for it. And while we're talking, you know, our theological Christian response, uh, we mentioned a little earlier, you know, God as the supreme intelligence. We already have something better than AI, and we have access to that because, even as the Scripture says, we have the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ, a source of morality, God being the supreme intelligence, we already have this, and it's a very risky thing to turn over control of humanity to something that is not connected with the transcendent God. Uh, this is a very risky thing for our future. And uh, and as Christian believers, holding tight to those things that we know and understand uh, are going to be very good for us, uh, you know, good, safe positions for the times to come. Absolutely. And I'm committed to that, to, um, you know, encouraging and helping discipling Christians to be very strong in their faith, to know what we believe, why we believe it, and to have firm foundations because ultimately it is so superior <laughs> to what the transhumanists propose for us. And it's like, why would you give up this amazing promise of a resurrection, this qualitatively different type of life for the future to this kind of like, you know, Tim Port, <laughs> you know, just extending one's life and, and uh, you know, still with your sin nature and all that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, I think Christians need to understand exactly what what Jesus promises us we need to stay 
rooted and grounded and anchored in orthodox Christianity because it doesn't ever change. The, you know, the, the, the fundamentals never change. And also just our communion with God because, you know, God has promised not, he didn't leave us here as orphans, you know, to fend for ourselves. He says, I'm with you till the end of the age. I mean, I love that scripture. I am with you till the end of the age. So it's like whatever we go through, um, we have intel from God every day to guide us and lead us. And if we ha- hold tight to that, we we won't be deceived by, uh, and it isn't artificial. It's a, like, you know, it, even the word antichrist means in place of Christ. So, you know, we won't be seduced and um, lured away from our worship and allegiance to God by um, some kind of AI thinking that it's sentient, that that's, you know, he's my best friend and, you know, like that sort of thing, which is happening. And if you don't have the anchor of faith and, uh, you know, real relationship with the living God, it's almost like inevitable that you'll be swept along with all this AI technology and you will come to feel like you are, um, you know, helpless, that you, um, that you have no, um, you know, no power to resist um, all that is put before us because it will be spectacular. It is spectacular and we need to know what the alternative is, the real instead of the artificial. And I think this is one of the main problems we're going to do face in the future is telling the difference between you know what is real and what is not real and that's going to be very difficult because you know already AI can do all this fake you know this fake stuff and fake you and fake voice and all the rest of it so it's going to be an absolute minefield so we all need to be connected to the living God to have wisdom from a superior intelligence to all the artificial stuff that's going on. Well, what outstanding insights today and the prediction that while at the moment we're still dealing with humanity, we have an understanding of that. Mm. A post-human world, uh, when there is this artificial intelligence and it is in robots and it is uh, you know, uploaded into machines and there is an artificial personality or an artificial intelligence, uh, we're going to be able to need to be able to discern what is true in the time that is coming. So just wonderful insight about what's coming today, Sandra. And I think there might be listeners who might like to educate themselves about how things are heading. And uh, your book might be a wonderful place to start. Sandra Goody's new book. Now, Goody spelt G O G O D E. Let me just get that right. G O D E. And the book is called Reaching for Immortality Can Science Cheat Death? It's a Christian response to transhumanism. You have a website, apologeticscoach.com. Is that the best way for people to connect with you personally, Sandra? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Apologeticscoach.com. Uh, That book is Reaching for Immortality, Can Science Cheat Death? It'll be available at online booksellers. Sandra, thank you so much for coming in and for sharing your thoughts and your heart. And we've even drawn out of you all sorts of things to do with, you know, what could be related to a biblical eschatology, those things that are coming for the future. And those things that you don't have to have uh, some sort of even uh, alternative idea about how you think, but those things you can predict are coming because of the advances in technology. Sandra, thank you so much for sharing these things with us today on 2020. My pleasure. Thank you, Neil. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.